Yes, welcome in, ladies and gents, boys and girls. Doesn't matter what tier you're in, we're here for you. It's week 15 of the NFL. This is the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We got all game all oh, game. Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5. Stood in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah. Yes, here we go again, fellas. Another week of action down as we get very, very close now to the business end of the season. Still plenty to play for and a whole heap of games to run through, starting all the way back with last Thursday through to uh, Sunday night football last night with my Browns in action. Still one game left on the slate as well. We'll touch on that later on. Let's quickly welcome the fellas in because there's plenty to talk about, but let's get them into the pod. Tim, how are you, buddy? Yeah, very good. So, Merry Christmas to to one more. Obviously, this is the first, the last time we'll get together before the big day. <laughs> Not. Um, yeah, no, Merry Christmas to to each one of you. Obviously, everyone that listens as well. Obviously, everyone that's interacted with us over the last couple of weeks. Hopefully, uh, we've kept you somewhat sane if you've watched for even a couple of seconds. So, yeah, Merry Christmas to one and all. Well said, my friend. Well said indeed. And uh, my uh, Ru- my Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer down in the bottom left hand corner, Lawrence. How are you, buddy? Yeah, pretty good. Everything's wrapped. Everything's done. It's just a case of some chilling out now. So finished finished off work on Friday. You talking about Kansas winning the Super Bowl? A of minutes. Fin- finished a couple of little cheeky emails this morning, but yeah, off the work computer now. So very very happy. So yeah, Merry Christmas to everybody out there, um, especially those that can't see each other um, and going to have to do a, a Zoom related Christmas. So. Good luck to you all. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And obviously, Kieran, you don't have any of this joy over in the States. You were just telling us that everything's pretty much open. But obviously, happy festive season to you as well, buddy. Uh, how are you this evening? Uh, I'm a Patriots fan, so <laughs> <laughs> the less said the better at this point in the season, I think, gents. Well, it's a, it's a pleasant change, mate, to have you on the outside looking in, and we'll get to all of that because Patriots, one of the teams officially eliminated from the postseason this weekend, and let's start, fellas, all the way back on Thursday night football. Uh, we had the Chargers against the Raiders. The Raiders looked like a real threat, didn't they, about a month ago, but they have really fell off a cliff. Um, another defeat in this one in overtime. Uh, nice to see Marcus Mariota there back on a football field. He actually looked pretty good, didn't he? I think uh, if Derek Carr hadn't had such a good season, there would potentially be a few tricky questions to answer there uh, for John Gruden. I'd imagine that Carr will probably come back as and when he does get healthy. Uh, but Mariota certainly doing himself no harm whatsoever. Tim shaking his head. Do you think he's won the job, do you, Tim, in his little audition? No, I think I think someone's brand new in 2020, uh, one. We go and read my quarterback article. There you go. Shameless plug, mate. Shameless plug. Uh, yeah, he certainly didn't do himself no harm whatsoever. I think we've jokingly said throughout the course of the season, he's probably one of the better backups that there was, uh, but obviously finally into a ball game on Thursday. But it went to overtime and Justin Herbert and the Chargers get the win. That effectively all but knocks the Raiders out. There is still a slim possibility that they could get in, but they would need... Much, 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 much luck and uh, favour to get in. Uh, a team that I'm most definitely in now, Kieran, let's come to you. I know you're obviously his number one fan. I am, of course, talking about the Bills, who ended their personal divisional title drought. Uh, and I know you said as a Patriots fan, obviously that would have choked you up a little bit. But obviously as a huge Josh Allen fan, 
Uh, really impressive performance on Saturday night. Uh, decent time for UK viewers. And if you did stay up to watch it, you saw the Bills absolutely explode all over the Denver Broncos. Yeah, it was a very fun game. And I think Josh Allen has the quote of the season this year with how many times do we have to score? The answer was three. A <laughs> uh, couple of uh, holding calls and stuff that kept them from their inevitable journey to the end zone. But another fantastic game. Josh Allen, I think, still in consideration for the MVP vote, even if he's taken it right down to the wire. It was another masterclass on offense from the Bills. They finally had a running back go over 60 yards on the ground, which was fun for their fans. They must have enjoyed that. But the uh, obviously the biggest story of the day was Stefan Diggs. Another fantastic game from him. He didn't make it into the end zone, but 147 yards and he was just catching balls all over the field. He did have 11 receptions, but we also saw Cole Beasley go over the century mark as well this game, which was it's great to see a guy like that who's been in the league for so many years, you know, have a big game like that, really say, hey, I can still play. Uh, Dawson Knox as well showed up. I know he's had a few drops recently, but he caught a great pass in the end zone, continuing to be a big threat for them in the red zone. And I'm not going to be able to pronounce the name. Jake Kumaro, I think is how it's pronounced. He also no. caught a pass for a touchdown in the end zone. But this is just another game. The Bills have been playing out of their mind. Obviously, Josh Allen, two rushing touchdowns, but, you know, on three carries. We knew he was athletic, but, gents, he's just been... I think this is something you can't ignore with Josh Allen. I know a lot of people putting Kyler Murray up there as well for the MVP conversation, but I think this is where Josh Allen runs away. He's big, he's physical, and I think he probably has the strongest arm in the NFL, besides maybe everyone's favourite steak and ketchup connoisseur, Patrick Mahomes. Um, not much to write home about from the Broncos in that respect, though. Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, just 11 carries each, look decidedly muted on the ground despite Melvin Gordon's um, uh, two touchdowns and Drew Lock had one touchdown but under 150 yards through the air dropped back 32 times and just could not get it done this this Bills defense is looking more and more dangerous as more and more pieces come back and I think as as this season has progressed it's taken it to this point for people to say hey maybe the Bills are legit maybe they do have a shot at dethroning the uh, reigning world champions in the Kansas City Chiefs and I think look I'm not going to jinx it but you know I think that's a safe bet to make is that the Chiefs can be uh, be dethroned by the Bills in the playoffs and if that does happen I see the Bills taking all the marbles in the big game Oh interesting show mate interesting show any given Sunday obviously anyone's going to be in with a show but yeah the Bills certainly have stamped their play with some January football um, obviously another team that are Definitely in and almost now pretty much assured of the number one seed is the Green Bay Packers after results on Sunday. But they had to take care of business on Saturday. Uh, we all said, fellas, that Aaron Rodgers might have one of those games where he just doesn't look particularly interested. Hopefully for Packers fans, that was the second half of this one. Uh, you know, Green Bay absolutely strolled out to a 21-3 to lead at the half. And I think everyone was expecting to wake up on Sunday morning and find a 40-burger on the scoreboard. But as it was, it actually ended up pretty close, too close to comfort, to be honest, 24-16. to 16. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' final stat line. Um, it's not very often that you see Aaron Rodgers with a stat line like this, is it? 20 of 29 for 143 yards. So not an awful lot going through the air. Better day on the ground, though, for Aaron Jones. His first decent game in a while. 
Uh, he went for 20 carries at 145 yards, as well as finding the end zone on the ground. Uh, and we said uh, a few weeks ago, didn't we, the Packers also finding ways to win ugly, one of the more complete teams in football. Uh, they won't care. They've got the W secured, and like I say, with results that we will get to later on in the podcast. Things looking rosy for them for the playoffs to run through Lambeau Field in the NFC side. But before we get to the NFC, fellas, let's have a look at the AFC wildcard side of things. And Tim, I'm going to turn to yourself for this one, buddy, because we've got the AFC South, which is now probably the most competitive division in terms of two teams vying for the lead. Obviously, two teams tied with the same record in the Colts and the Titans. Both got wins this weekend. Um, the Colts against the Texans, the Titans against the Lions. Tell us all about it, buddy. Yeah, the um, it's going to, definitely going to come down to the last two games for each team, which I'll get to a bit later on. But yeah, the Colts, the Colts, Texans one on, on paper should be yeah, for both games should have been cakewalks for the Colts. But Deshaun Watson, man, he's he's made a different gravy, hasn't he? Um, there, there was a, a scary bit of deja vu in this game. Obviously, the previous meeting a couple of weeks ago um, finished twenty six twenty. This one finished twenty seven twenty, and both games had a Deshaun Watson drive going down into the red zone. Uh, both ending in fumbles and obviously both uh, both like, obviously inside two minutes or, or whatever and just both ending up with uh, with Texans defeats. But it kind of begs the question, how how good this Texans team would be if they had, yeah, I don't know, someone like Luke Hopkins or maybe a, a first or second round pick next year or, you know, something like that. It's Bill, Bill O'Brien has absolutely screwed this franchise up good and proper. Um, you know, the Larry Mittans will trade in, the Nuke trade out means they've got nothing better than the third round pick. Um, actually, eight round, eight picks next season, but Jesus Christ. Um, but the, the, the thing with this game and the thing with the Texans is when they get into the red zone, that's when they just they just crash and burn. They don't have they don't have a lot of weapons that can separate. So Deshaun Watson, uh, I think they run the ball uh, 37, 37.5% on, on red zone plays when the game's within one score. If you look at last season's uh, kind of games, Darren Fells had a ridiculous touchdown rate, seven out of 12, uh, seven touchdowns on 12 targets. And Carlos Hyde was just punching them in. You don't have that this year. David Johnson has been the exact opposite. And and Darren Fells is, is never going to keep up that, that uh, percentage of, of touchdown um catches and then obviously since will fuller's gone they, they've just been awful in the in the red zone they've 20th 29th uh, in terms of red zone touchdown uh percentages. but that, that kind of gave they gave the Colts the win obviously philip rivers coming in and needing it out from um you know from the one yard line and uh, Colts had a, a very important win to, to keep up with the titans um for, for the Titans, yeah, it was pretty much the Ryan Tannehill show, wasn't it, against the Lions? Uh, two rushing touchdowns, a lovely one uh, towards his first rushing touchdown was lovely. And I'm sure Lawrence pulled more of his hair out when he saw Tannehill doing the uh, the fake to Henry in the, in the jump in the, into the end zone, which he uh, he often talks about. But uh, yeah, Derek Henry, uh, talking of him, he did Derek Henry things in December 24, rushes 147 yards and a tutty. Um, yeah, Corey Davis and Johnny Smith and AJ Brown playing enough of a supporting role for, for Tannehill as well in the passing game. And do you know what? Yeah, Everyone says that there's not much for, for Tannehill in the passing game. It's not a passing offense. It's all Derek Henry. But those three players and maybe the odd you know, special teams or Anthony Ferks or, or, or whoever, it's just right for the Titans. It just clicks. It's just a perfect storm. And I, I think you can't, it's something you just can't recreate. You know, when that team just has that certain mixture in the melting pot uh, and out comes a, a lovely beef stew. Uh, that's just kind of what the Titans are. And, you know, they're not a team that's going to be built uh, to, to come from behind. Uh, they do need to get into a lead. Obviously, just look at the, the Cleveland Browns game. But if they do get a lead and they do play at home in, in January, yeah, there's not a uh, there's not a team that would like to go and visit Nashville. Although I heard it is quite nice in January. I'm joking, of course. Um, 
Yeah, the, the defense is obviously going to be a problem for the Titans. Obviously, Lions put up enough points in this one, and uh, teams have been putting up points on them all season. Um, but then talking of the, obviously the last two games, the Titans do hold the, the tiebreaker at the moment for the division. Uh, Titans are at Packers and at Texans last two, uh, and the Colts are at Steelers and versus Jacksonville. So you kind of think, well, it's all going to come down to that Colts-Steelers game next week. Um, if the Colts can win that, probably win the division because you, you can't see the uh, the Titans putting up enough points on the Packers uh, that Aaron Rodgers could have a field day next week and the, if Devontae Adams could go for a 200. But um, yeah, it's, it's going to come down to week 16 uh, to, to be quite honest. It's a shame really they don't have a week 17 game to play. Yeah, that would have been good, wouldn't it, to, to be the divisional clincher. Um, the other team in that division, Lawrence, obviously, um, on the outside looking in um, is Jacksonville. In fact, we're going to come to Kieran on this because it involves Baltimore. We're trying to keep off our own teams, fellas, so we don't take up too much of the pod with so much to talk about because I'm sure we could talk all night long. So, Kieran, let's come to you in this one. Um, Jacksonville, actually, really big winners on the weekend in a bizarre way, which we'll touch on later when we obviously talk about the Jets uh, getting a win. But obviously, in this one, uh, we obviously haven't spoke since last Monday. Uh, me and Tim briefly talked about it on the quiz. You know, an absolutely tremendous game last Monday night, and the Ravens uh, really have gone back to that winning formula, haven't they? Yeah, I think it's harder to to have it off as a big win when you beat a team like Jacksonville. But I'm not going to slate Jacksonville because Gardner Minshew looked fantastic. Twenty two or twenty nine for two hundred twenty six yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He looked fantastic all game, but they couldn't really get the run game going. I think they had less than fifty yards on the ground, which is fairly muted for Jacksonville. I mean, obviously you've got guys like LaVisca Cheneau who you can maybe run in like jet sweeps and stuff like that, but they just could not get it going on the ground. Uh, the receivers, he spread it round well. DJ Chalk, Tyler Eifert, LaVisca Cheneau, uh, Keelan Cole, Robinson, everyone got touches. It just was not, uh, only two people found the end zone. So I think uh, the Ravens just bullied him, I think, though, at this point. Obviously, Lamar Jackson... 234 yards, three touchdowns. He did have that pick as well, but there's just not much you can do against this Baltimore Ravens team. I mean, their top receiver is probably still Andrews, who is a tight end, but when, you, when you've got Lamar Jackson and you haven't really got the speed on the defense to maybe keep someone spied on him every play, it's a lot harder to you know keep, keep him contained. And I know it wasn't his prime sort of rushing we saw out of Lamar Jackson, but still enough to keep things interesting. I just think... Probably a good game for Jacksonville to lose because they put up a very good fight despite the little amount of points they put up. Minshew looked fairly good. I mean, probably looked better than Lamar Jackson. That's going to be controversial, but he just did look better passing than Lamar Jackson that game. And Lawrence, you can laugh all you want. It's true. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, Jaguars probably now secured the number one overall pick. So it will be... Goodbye, uh, Minshew Mania, and hero, hello, Lawrence Lunacy. Yeah, it could well be indeed. Yeah, Lamar Jackson has been playing well since his mid-game toilet break against the Browns, hasn't he? Uh, rather, rather impressive. Um, and yeah, Baltimore absolutely back to what works well for them. They potentially though might still need a little bit of help on the way in, but we will get to that shortly. Um, Lawrence, let's just took a touch on the other couple of games that obviously had. Wildcard implications in the AFC. I'm, of course, talking Miami and New England. That's the game that ultimately does um, eliminate New England from any postseason discussion. Um, and then, obviously, rounding out the Sunday night slope was Cleveland, um, under a bit of pressure by the time the game kicked off, but they took care of business comfortably against the Giants. 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> talking about the Dolphins Patriots, it had to happen eventually, didn't it? Yeah, the Dolphins managed a hundred yard rusher for the first <laughs> time since 2018. Um, yeah, we, we know what the real headline is. Patriots are going to be watching the playoffs from the comfort of their leather lazy boys. Um, and and one little note here, they actually also, um, the Patriots failed to eclipse the Cowboys record of 20 consecutive winning seasons. So they were on 19 in a row. So they're not going to hit 20 consecutive winning seasons. So look at Kieran, look at the frustration. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, and this is this is the first time in over a decade that the Sith Lord um, has not taken his team to the playoffs. And with two games left, the best for the Patriots they can hope for is eight and eight, which would absolutely flatter the team to death because they're not they are not an eight and eight team. Um, we did discover a few things about Cam Newton. Firstly, we know he's an outstanding rusher, and in NFL history, I would argue there's nobody you'd rather have to give the ball to from the one yard line. But second, we've also learned that Cam is not a brilliant passer. Five touchdowns all season for a starting quarterback. Dare I say it, it's almost Haskins-esque on the scale of ineptitude there. So I had to have to bring in my best friend there. So what, what was the downfall for the Patriots in this game? Simple, the Dolphins ran the ball. They ran the ball, they ran the ball, they had a sip of Gatorade at halftime, and then they ran the ball some more. 250 yards rushing, including 122 from undrafted free agent Salvin Ahmed. I'm not going to sound like Neil Reynolds and go, Ahmed, because I just, I don't know why he pronounces it like a, anyway, Ahmed, um, only his fourth game, it was the absolute X factor. Matt Breeder was an absolutely solid backup. Um, and Tua was accurate, but he had a sort of forgettable stat line and threw a rare interception. In fact, I think the, the stat I read was that Tua's touchdown to interception ratio is the best for any rookie in NFL history up to this point, which is which is pretty incredible. Um, the Patriots actually led the game at halftime to Nick Falk field goals. But there's, the Dolphins took the took the ball in the, the first drive of the second half, 72 yards later. Ahmed scores on a one-yard run. Dolphins then conjured up pretty much the spirit of Larry Zonka and Mercury Morris and just ran the ball to death. Two ginormous drives ended by two, two a rushing touchdowns. And dare I say it, the Patriots dynasty is finally dead. Um, I agree with what we were saying before the before we went live with you, Kieran, it is time to roll out a bit of Stidham Nation for the last couple of weeks to see what see what they got. Let's just unbox him. Let's unbox him. Let's let's take all the take all the bubble wrap off and stick him in a situation. See what he can do in 120 minutes of football, um, and then you know. Damn straight. Let, let let's look at the Cam Newton experiment. It was a bit like dropping a polo mint into a, a, a large bottle of Diet Coke and not a Mentos. So if you don't know what I mean, look up dropping a Mentos into a bottle of Diet Coke and then you'll see what an actual explosion means. So Dolphins here are currently clinging on to that number seven seed in the AFC. And this is only by virtue of win percentage in conference games. So if you look, the Ravens, what have they got left? The Bengals and the Giants. So I think the Dolphins have got a slightly harder schedule in their remaining two games. So that's that's kind of where we're at with that game. 
So the Dolphins live to fight another day. Patriots, they've got a skewer through them. Coming on to the Giants and the Browns. I mean, I don't really want to talk about this game because it was a pretty miserable game, to be honest, from start to finish. And this is, Sean, absolutely no disrespect to the Browns. They reached double figures for the first time since Mr. Blundell had a had a full set of hair on the top of his head. When, when was oh, that? That's a while ago. That's a while ago. That's a good while ago, Lawrence. You know, a li- little while ago. And and in terms of the game starting ugly, I mean, how much uglier did it get than Freddie Kitchens trying to call that fourth down attempt um, as as the punter Riley Dixon? failed to find the no-name swing tackle Nick Gates in the end zone and you just knew that it was going to go just south from that point onwards um, and that was that was pretty much as close as the Giants went to a touchdown in the entire game um, the the um, the Browns held Colt McCoy and the Giants to two field goals for the entire game and 14 first downs and the the Browns had the ball almost 35 minutes in the game. Giants defense that had actually helped them to a four-game win streak. They they still played hard. You, we've got to admit, Sean, that they 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 played hard for the the entire kind of game, and they they just about held Baker Mayfield. And but they did a really good job on Chubb and Hunt. I think that was the best performance by defense against the combination of Chubb and Hunt all season held Chubb to 66 total yards and Hunt to 28 yards and in fact Chubb's 50 yards rushing was the worst since his return from injury six games ago um, although don't forget Chubb did get his touchdown um, and if he would if, if they if the Browns would have just got the extra point seven six would have actually won it for them um, and so, you know, the, the other two touchdowns that Baker Mayfield threw to um, Hooper, the tight end, and Jarvis Landry, Mr. Reliable, were, were in fact bonuses. And can I just make one little personal note here? Can I thank the Cleveland Browns for actually killing my full 10 yards fantasy team, which went 11-2 and two going into the playoffs, and then I go and get smashed because Wayne Gorman, has 29 total yards on nine carries and is game scripted out of the game. So thank you very much, Cleveland Browns, for killing my beautiful franchise that I crafted for 13 weeks of the season. So back into the seedings, the Browns now sit at the five seed in the AFC, one game behind Pittsburgh, who played tonight against the Bengals, and one game ahead of the Ravens, who are warming up at the moment at nine and five, but still looking in at the moment. The Ravens have got the tie break against the Browns, so Cleveland need to beat <clears throat> the red hot New York Jets next week. <laughs> week 17 against the Steelers, <laughs> inconsequential. So it, it all just starts getting, you know, we talk about how interesting it is. It just gets more and more and more interesting, doesn't it, as the as the season comes to a climax. The red hot Jets, so they, they're not carbon neutral anymore, that's for sure. <laughs> You've all kind of stolen a little bit of my thunder feathers because I have got the complete schedule left here. So Tim has really kindly popped the seedings onto the screen for those watching along live. If you are going the traditional method and just listening along the seeding as things stand at the minute, obviously you've got the Chiefs as the number one. Pittsburgh currently the two. Uh, still not 
clinch the division, but could do so tonight. Buffalo, the three, Tennessee, the four, then the wildcards, Cleveland, five, Colts, six, Dolphins, seven, and then Baltimore and Vegas. The remaining games, Vegas, like I say, I'll mention them because mathematically it's a possibility, although they need to win out and everybody else needs to lose everything. Um, so Vegas are Miami and Denver. You've then got the Colts, Pittsburgh and Jacksonville, Tennessee, Green Bay and the Texans, Cleveland, the Jets and the Steelers, Baltimore, the Giants and the Bengals, Miami, Vegas and New England. And Pittsburgh, although secured, like I say, a wild card, um, still still to clinch the division, Cincinnati tonight and then Indianapolis and then Cleveland. So, fellas, I can't believe I'm saying this because if you think back to the start of the season, a lot of the debate around the expansion of the playoffs was the fact that people were slightly concerned that by creating a seventh wild card team, that you would end up with an inferior team with a poor record that sneaks into the playoffs and how rubbish would it be if a team that was, you know, six and ten or seven and nine causing some postseason misery for a team that had had a fantastic regular season. Here we are in the AFC and through 15 weeks, it looks highly likely that a team could finish with a record of 11 and five and potentially miss out on a playoff berth. Now, I'm obviously absolutely cock-a-hoop that we sit here at 10-4, and four, but still cannot believe that even if we beat the Jets on Sunday, it still might not be guaranteed depending on how other results go. So let's put you on the spot, fellas, pre-Christmas. Give me your three wildcard teams, or probably more importantly, I think we're all, are we all in agreement the Raiders are done? Raiders are done, yeah. Raiders are done, all right. So out of Cleveland, Baltimore, Miami, Tennessee... Indianapolis, one of them is going to miss out. Who misses out? Tim, let's start with you. I really wanted to say Baltimore, just so I see the look on Lawrence's face, but I'm going to go Miami, because I think well, they're, they're, they're away, aren't they? Miami for the other the two games, who have they got? Vegas and New England. Oh no, I'll take that back, Baltimore. <laughs> Lawrence? Miami Dolphins, going to squish the fish. And Kieran? Uh, I gotta say, Baltimore really. The difficult thing is, genuinely, when when you look at all of these fixtures, and I know this is going to upset the Steelers fans who think that we just pick on them because me and Kieran obviously just do not like them whatsoever. But I honestly look at the remaining schedule. I think Indianapolis are favoured to beat Pittsburgh the way they are currently playing, and I think that Indianapolis are favoured to beat Jacksonville. Tennessee, I think, have got the hardest game left on paper against Green Bay, so that is absolutely a tough one. But obviously, if Derrick Henry has one of his better games, it wouldn't be the world's biggest surprise. And then they obviously host the Texans, who they'll be favourites against. The Browns obviously start as favourites against the Jets. There's no doubt about that. Who knows what Pittsburgh team they get in Week 17. If Pittsburgh win tonight, it could well be Pittsburgh's backups if they've got nothing to play for and the two seeds locked in, win, lose or draw. So, you know, and again, I don't think it'd be the world's biggest surprise if Cleveland beat Pittsburgh either. Baltimore are absolutely favourites against the Giants and the Bengals. Miami, although, yeah, toughest schedule, let's face it, we've all just said the Raiders have done nothing for the last month. Why on earth would, would, would Miami not fancy themselves to go and get that win um, there? The, the key one, of course, could be the New England Patriots, who could play spoiler um, on the last weekend of the season. But there is a genuine, genuine possibility that all of these teams could all potentially win out here, isn't there? 
Anybody see that happening? Um, well, considering Cleveland and Pittsburgh play Week 17, it's not going to happen. But I know, I know what you're trying to say. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm excluding Pittsburgh from the. Yeah, from the, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm assuming Pittsburgh win tonight and then the division sorted. No, listen, yeah. don't be wrong. If, if Pittsburgh lose tonight, then all bets are off, mate. Absolutely all bets are off. Then it could well be Pittsburgh that miss out, yeah, uh, yeah, which yeah. would be up. Now, talk about a fall from grace. Now, I could oh, get behind you. that as a Christmas present. Now, now, that is something to get excited about at Christmas. But, um, yeah, I can't I can't see them losing tonight, can you? But I, I do think there's a real possibility here. And I know, like I say, Lawrence, you'll think we're doing this to wind you up. But I do think there is a chance that you know, the Ravens could go eleven and five, and all of these teams could win out here, and they they wouldn't be set on tiebreakers, which would be absolutely phenomenal, especially considering at least one team coming from the NFC with a below five hundred record. No, I'm, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. The 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 math doesn't lie, so I I I can understand that. And if if the Ravens do finish eleven and five, at least it's kind of it's something respectable to end a season on. And not going to the playoffs, you know, it doesn't happen too often that you get to eleven wins and don't make the postseason. But yeah, the 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 AFC are are, are a much stronger conference. So you know, we've just got to respect that at the moment. No, we have indeed. Let's hope we get a bit more clarity at the end of week sixteen. Of course, we're talking all of this and how exciting week seventeen could be. It could all be over next week, fellas. We could be locked in depending on how results go. Um, but certainly through 15 weeks, it certainly got us on the edge of our seat. Uh, yeah, it shows you how close it was. That all joking aside, at kickoff last night, the Browns could have ended up outside the playoffs and end up in the fifth seed. So that's that's how close it is. Uh, one result the wrong way um, could completely change the uh, the outlook for everybody. Let's move on then, fellas, to the NFC side of things. And obviously, it's a little bit more clear there, I think, in terms of the playoffs, so the seeds there, Green Bay in the one. We'll talk about all these games shortly. New Orleans in the two, Seattle the three, Washington still hold on to the four, Los Angeles the five, Tampa Bay the six, Cardinals the seven, Chicago the eight, Minnesota the nine, and we still go all the way down to Dallas at ten. Um, and there's still every chance that Dallas or Philadelphia could still somehow end up in postseason football as crazy as 2020 has been. But let's try and work through some of these games chronologically. Tim, we've still got Washington holding down the four seed by um, way of current NFC East divisional leader. Um, but they obviously struggled to get things going uh, against Seattle. However, with that being said, for all the struggles they had, still kept the game tight. Obviously, still could have um, potentially snuck an upset victory. Um, so the Washington you know, team still absolutely built on defence. Uh, but talk us through the game yesterday, buddy. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the greatest of games, was it? Let's be honest. Um, it, 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 did anyone else notice? I don't know. I looked this up. Did anyone, anyone notice that any of the highlights of this game? They had that weird cinematic uh, camera angle when. Yeah, it's uh, like Ultra happened. HD in the yeah, end. Yeah. Zone. yeah, so I looked it up because I thought I was having an out of body experience or something. Or there was something in my pocket <laughs> I, was, I was thinking, right? So it was called the Megalodon camera, right? And what a game to waste it on. I mean, if you, <laughs> why not take that camera to New Orleans and the Mercedes Benz Dome and put it on when Patrick Mahomes is rolling into the end zone with uh, that photo of uh, Cole Hardman or whatever it was. But anyway, um, that, that camera cost $10,000. Um, and you might think that's a lot of money, but the big, the big Zorb cameras with the big, you know, you look like you're in a Zorb with the, the cameras, they cost $200,000. So, um, yeah, it's not bad. It's yeah, very cost effective. And I it, say it's very weird because you kind of felt as in like you're watching the Madden's, you know, like 
cutaway or something like in a story mode. But anyway, back to the game. Um, <laughs> 20 to 15, the final in this one. Um, Haskins uh, made sure that in the fourth quarter with the uh, interceptions and, and sacks and all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, Seattle made very heavy weather of this one. There were three scores up going into the fourth quarter, uh, two scores up going into the final four, but the Washington kind of had too much of a hole to dig themselves out of. Uh, they did try, you know, they did try. Uh, but interestingly enough, though, after a team that had 12 sacks in the last four games didn't have any sacks on this one, uh, just goes to show you what a difference when having, it, having a mobile quarterback uh, does have. But uh, I mean, you don't... Uh, Russell Wilson's final stat line, you don't really see uh, his one too often. I got, where is it? I did have it written. Uh, there we go. Uh, 121 passing yards from Russell Wilson. Don't see that very often, do you? Um, yeah, um, 50 yards camper from, from Carlos Hyde in the third was kind of the end of this one. Um, Haskins, Haskins had 295 rush, uh, passing yards in this one. Uh, I nearly had two and a half times two and a half times more than Russell Wilson. Haskins for Bro, Haskins Bro, Bro, Bro. For, yeah, MVP Haskins. Um, you would have got a massive odds on that anyway. Um, Wilson did have a 38, uh, 38 yard rush too, but like I say, yeah, Russell Wilson and, um, and the Seahawks just had enough done. And I say, when you've got Dwayne Haskins at quarterback, obviously we don't know if the, the stats of Alex Smith for, for the next two weeks, but your seeding is limited and you don't need to score that many points to beat the Washington football team. And it's all, yeah, it's all defense orientated and they're only going to get you so far. You need that to complement a, a running game, which obviously has no Antonio Gibson at the moment. Uh, and Dwayne Haskins. Just isn't going to get it done. Um, talking about schedules, this one obviously Washington. Yeah, they, with the, with the the Giants lost uh, courtesy of the Browns. Obviously, still hold the division lead. Probably still will, but they probably need to win out against Carolina and Philadelphia because uh, the Gi- well, Giants have Baltimore next week and then Dallas. Um, but we are now guaranteed that the NFC East winner going into the playoffs will not have a winning record. Obviously, not seen since the days of Carolina and I think Seattle won a while. But that was beast mode, beast mode years, wasn't it? All the way back when. Uh, but for Washington fans and Ron Rivera fans and all the rest of it, considering they started one and four, I don't think they, they will care too much. Uh, on the NFC West side, Seattle now obviously have it, have it in their own hands after the Rams lose to the Jets. Uh, Jesus Christ, 2020. Um, but yeah, they, they, they face the Rams next week, which will obviously uh, at home for the for the division. So um, yeah, it wasn't a great game. Had huge ramifications on it. Whether or not that played into it, I probably don't think so. It was just a poor game. Uh, but we got to see a cool camera. So hopefully we get to see that uh, uh, that a bit more often, but hopefully they uh, use <laughs> use those resources a bit more uh, uh, sensibly, shall we say? Yeah, every cloud has a silver lining, doesn't it? And uh, like you said, the the Washington defeated still leaves the door slightly ajar. Um, the Eagle pretty much done now. Um, their tie earlier in the season, if they win out and Washington loses out, could potentially come back into the equation, but, you know, pretty much done. And it's ironic, really, because the Eagles, probably from a morale point of view, had as good a performance as anybody this weekend. Jalen Hurts was was pretty spectacular in defeat. Um, obviously, the Cowboys, big win for them against the 49ers. And, and like you say, if uh, I think Washington's game next week is Carolina, you would probably fancy them uh, to take control of business there, the way the defence has been playing. But again, it wouldn't be the world's biggest upset if the Panthers pull the victory out. There is still absolutely a path for for Dallas or the Giants to get back into the uh, the number four seed 
Um, I, think, I think I think just uh, off the top of my head, I think if uh, it's, it's it's pretty much between Washington and, and the Giants because if the Washington slip up once and the Giants win one of their two games, obviously they've got Baltimore next week, so not not looking too likely. But um, Giants have the, the tiebreaker over Washington, whereas Dallas don't. Dallas would need to win both. Uh, they've got Philly and uh, New York Giants, so yeah, possibly. But they they need to Washington to lose both. Dallas would need to win both. Yeah, but like I say, certainly. I, I just from from that Cowboys victory, and I hate to say it, but I've just got this really horrible feeling in my gut that the Cowboys somehow are going to pull some sort of miracle. You want to get Gavis gone for that, mate? Gavis gone to help you out with that. It's honestly, so it's it. You just know it, and it, it's all caused by Dwayne Haskins. All right, here's a, here's a hot take for you then. Jalen Hurts is going to run rings around Dallas next week. We're going to lose by double digits. Book it now. Losing by double digits. Ooh. Well, we'll get to that later on. But, uh, Kieran, let's come to you. You've obviously been the number one fan on the Jalen Hurts train before it even got out of the station. You were on board, uh, like I mentioned just there, um, magnificent in defeat, unfortunately, obviously for the Eagles. Um, and, and obviously, we've talked there about the Cowboys beating the 49ers. Give us a brief summary of both of those games, mate. Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle, the end zone Ed Sheeran, has been fantastic this week. <laughs> he he did 209 yards, two touchdowns. I want to give a shout-out to Tony Pollard. If anyone could tell me how many rushing yards he had. 69. Ah, nice. nice. So, nice. I want to give a shout out to John Jake Gaiman in the comments as well, who, when we mentioned about expanding the playoffs, said probably shouldn't apply to the NFC East, which I think is a, a very wise assessment. But yeah, Cowboys versus 49ers was basically Cowboys versus a practice team squad, which went about as well as you could have expected for the practice team squad. You know, still no defense from the Cowboys. I know they had a couple picks in there, but it still was just shocking. So I'm going to get to the only game that was actually exciting. Very sorry, Tim. You know I love the red rifle. But Jalen Hurts, my lord, 44 pass attempts this game. Three, okay, he only went 24 of 44, but still. Uh, third, yeah. 338 yards, three touchdowns, and put up another 63 yards on the ground and another touchdown on the ground. Now... Jalen Rager, minus 10 yards rushing. My Lord, he got absolutely blown up. Um, but I want to say Miles Sanders as well, 64 yards. Um, so he, he was hitting a lot of targets, though, Jalen Hurts. He found Juliet's his husband, for 69 yards. Alshon Jeffrey a couple of <laughs> times. He hit Jalen Rager. Look, she's the most famous. She's the most famous sports star in that family. He, he needs to get over it. Jalen Rager uh, got five catches. Dallas Goda even got involved. A man who still hasn't changed his first name, despite the city he plays football in. But the Cardinals just overcame them. Kyler Murray looking absolutely fantastic as well. Four hundred and six passing yards. Pew pew. MVP race. He's still in it. Three touchdowns and one pick. And then obviously. Uh, Chase Edmonds got um, 47 yards on the ground and Kyler Murray found the end zone on the ground as well. But can we talk about everyone's favourite long-haired receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, 169 yards and a touchdown. What a performance from him. And I think probably 
one of the catches of the season that he made in the end zone. What a phenomenal catch he made for that um, for the touchdown he had on the game. That was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did, yeah, it, yeah, did anyone yeah, see yeah, the catch yeah, he made? Uh, Larry Fitz, didn't he? Larry Fitz had a nice one as well. Ridiculous. Yeah. We need to check that this man doesn't have stickum on his gloves. That's one for Lawrence there. The retro fans love that, the stickum. He is, uh, yeah, he's playing out of his mind right now. Top receiver in the league, I think, could potentially win Offensive Player of the Year just with the way he's played. He's been absolutely great. And I think if you're going to look at a, maybe a putting a wide receiver in the MVP conversation, DeAndre Hopkins is the guy to do it. I know it's a, a very far out shot having a wide receiver, but yeah. Cardinals are just a fantastic team and I don't think their record really yeah Tim just put in the chat that DeAndre Hopkins has more yards than the top three equals wide receivers put together which I think that would have been a little bit different if Carson Wentz didn't start the season but there you go um yes the the Cardinals record does not reflect how good they play because they've had some very close games they had that great game against the Bills where Nook took in that fantastic Hail Mary catch at the end but you know, Cardinals are a team who, even if their record doesn't reflect it next year, going into next season, they're going to be unstoppable if they get just a couple more pieces for them. No, 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 no one will want to go to to uh, face them at home in in the in the playoffs. I think they'll they'll win a playoff game as well. Kyler, yeah, Kyler, Murray, being, Kyler, Kyler Murray was a lot better. He, he looked, seemed a lot healthier this week. It's also good that they're in um, the time zone they are because if they're in like Eastern time zone, it would be past Cliff Kingsbury's bedtime before he could call people during free agency. So it's good for them that he can stay up a couple extra hours and recruit some talent to bring in. But yeah, he's he's done bits and I still think he's a terrible coach, but I think he's got a great team there that can execute his game plans well. And I think it's more the players than it is him, which I think is rare to say about a coach. But yeah, I think I think Cardinals next year might win big. Yeah, I think it's it, it's a shout that you know it, it started to gain some traction in this off season. I think they've performed reasonably. I disagree with you slightly. I think you are what your record is at this stage of the season. You know, and if they were a complete team that have found a way to win some of those closer games, I certainly agree with what Tim said. I think this is the best that Kyler Murray has looked in a good few weeks in terms of his mobility. I think that's an absolutely huge part of his game. Um, and I think that, you know, similar to what I always say about the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, I think play to his strengths and absolutely why not? You know, if teams can't stop in, it brings a different dimension. And I think that's exactly what the Cardinals should do with the threat of Kyler Murray uh, running the ball. Um, like you said, the wide receivers that he's got there, you know, Larry Fitz is just ageless, isn't he? I mean, his, his touchdown catch arguably as good as uh, New Hopkins in a slightly different way in terms of the the sort of ball control and the body placements, um, you know, basically through a defender. Um, so yeah, I think I the Cardinals are going to be um, a team that nobody wants to to draw, are they? Let's be honest. Um, you know, they've certainly got an explosive offense, but you know, they've also got weaknesses that can be attacked. But you know, that's the beauty of the NFL, isn't it? You know, there's no team that uh, hasn't tasted a defeat at some point this season. You know, so every team has got a a weakness that you can potentially get at. Um, the only, the only so, problem yeah. with the, the Cardinals, obviously they're the seventh seed, so they'll go to number two, which is looking like New Orleans, which could be a bit of a sticking point. But Yeah, particularly with that run defence. That's That was my sort of thoughts when we were talking about it, you know, potentially if they can contain Kyle and Murray. But like I say, stranger things have happened indeed. Um, the ironic thing, of course, with all of this in terms of the talk that we've had here about the Seahawks and the Cardinals in that NFC West, and we've alluded to it a few times, 
Obviously, the Rams ruined absolutely everybody's pick and week. Uh, I don't think anybody on planet Earth probably picked the New York Jets, did they? Let's be completely honest. And the Rams had an absolute Even stinker. <laughs> absolute stinker from the Rams. Just unbelievable. I mean, when we talk about any given Sunday, fellas, this is what should surely give every single fan base hope. You know, and that's why I think, you know, once you get into the playoffs, it then, you know, it's a case of, you know, there has been surprises. People have won it from a wild card position and ultimately you've got to get in there to get your opportunity. Uh, in terms of the game itself, um, I know there's going to be a bit of a written tribute for Mr. Retro about good old father time, Frank Gore, in the end zone once again for the Jets in this one. And let's be honest, it's a game that has been similar to a couple um, that the Jets have been involved in, where they've threatened to win, and I think everyone was just expecting that a you know the comeback would be uh, you know put on at some point, but it just never ever came, did it? It just never ever came. The Rams never looked comfortable. The Jets' defense played hard. Uh, you know we had a big debate last week on the pod, fellas, about whether winning was good or bad. Obviously, the stakes in this one probably around the number one overall pick. Probably slightly different debate to what we were having. Last week, when we were talking about you know teams potentially going towards a divisional win, um, but obviously the ramifications now mean that Jacksonville jump up to the number one pick in the draft as things stand. Um, you know, and obviously if that is the case, everybody fully expects that Trevor Lawrence will be the selection. Um, and obviously, if the Jets did want to select the quarterback of the future from their point of view, that would mean that uh, Justin Fields is the man likely to be. On the board, um, and whether they go that route or they move down or whatever, that's all stuff for the off-season. For the here and now, though, they avoid the infamy of an 0-16 season. Um, and, yeah, well done to the Jets for getting the O off the board. Um, Tim, a game that had big wildcard implications. And when I did my little game preview piece, as I always do, I was almost staggered to find these two teams went into this one with the same record at 6-7 and seven because it just feels to me as though the Vikings and the Bears have just had completely different seasons. Obviously, you know, different paths taken to get to this point. Um, but a, a really big win for Chicago, who all of a sudden have found... Yeah, you're breaking up a bit there, so I don't, I'll just start, start talking anyway. Um, yeah, kind of the 6th and 7th bar, wasn't it? 8th uh, and IFC is going into this one, and it goes to show the depth in the NFC. Uh, Lawrence was talking earlier about the AFC being quite deep. Um, they're still the 8th and ninth seed after this game anyway. Um, I, actually did, I actually did fancy Chicago for this one. I know they were in free fall, but obviously got the win last week. Um, but they, they're two quite similar teams, obviously playing the same division. Um, you know, thank you, Sherlock Holmes, for that one. But um, yeah, both, both teams have question marks at quarterback. Um, both have two, you know, two running backs that went off in this game. Uh, Thirty-three to twenty-seven was the final. Um, Three hundred fifty-seven total rushing yards between the two teams. Uh, Montgomery on the on the Chicago side, uh, a career high in rushing yards for him. Uh, one hundred forty-six and two TDs on thirty-two attempts. And I think we mentioned it on one of the quizzes. Um, about the fact that he doesn't have break off any long ones. His longest run in this one was only 19 yards. Um, so again, it's just a case of he just doesn't go for, for very far indeed. Um, Trubisky and the, and the Bears obviously did try and give it back to the two of Vikings. Obviously a late turnover, late, late inception into the end zone. Cameron Dantzler, I think, was for the Vikings. Uh, looked to have, have uh, snatched uh, d- defeat from the jaws of victory for uh, for the Bears. But uh, Kirk Cousins turning it over on downs uh, and then handing it back to them anyway. But uh, miracles did happen in this game, ladies and gentlemen. Dan Bailey was perfect on all these kicks. 
Praise the Lord, hallelujah, Christmas miracle. Um, but yeah, a couple of pointers for this one for me, maybe more of a fact from a fantasy perspective. Uh, the former Alabama tight end, Irv Smith's going to have a breakout year next year. He's he's simmering quite nicely. He's going he's to come good. And then um, Darnell Moody, who's had a bit of a mini breakout, I suppose, this season, 499 yards in the season, 46 receptions uh, from from the trash carousel at quarterback in, in Chicago. Uh, he'll be he should be pretty decent next year. Should they? Uh, should they upgrade uh, their quarterback position? He what form of wide receiver out of Tulane? Um, yeah, Chicago obviously coming away with in, so got kind of thing that puts a fork in Minnesota. Um, but these two teams aren't going to aren't going to aren't going to trouble anyone in the in the playoffs. I know it's any given Sunday, but I'd be very surprised to see them. Whoever plays the the, the game the away game in January, that they'll they'll win. So yeah, yeah, and. Um... The uh, the other two games that affected the NFC side of things, uh, we'll start Lawrence with Atlanta and Tampa. Um, Tampa pretty much guaranteed in now, are they? Or certainly, if they're not guaranteed in, I think it's going to take a pretty lot, uh, a lot of things to go pretty wrong for them not to to get in. Uh, they took care of business, another comeback and another lead thrown away by the Falcons. Uh, so, if you just want to touch on that game, mate, and then we'll talk about the uh, the big game that was on Sky in the 9.25 window last. Yeah, I mean, we've got to look at this. We know the Saints had already secured a playoff spot, but they've now just got a one-game lead over the Tampa Brady Buccaneers. And that absolute shock Rams loss to the Jets is going to have implications kind of going forward. Tampa Bay currently sit in the sixth seed with a one-game advantage over the Cardinals. Tom Terrific and the Pewter people are now just one game behind the Saints in the battle for the NFC South. They're riding a two-game win streak. And if we go back just two weeks, you can look. The Saints were sitting there at 10-2, and two, and everyone's like, oh, it's, it's already all over. The Bucks were 7-5 and five and almost fading into kind of obscurity for their season and now two weeks later they're one game apart and the division's still up for grabs with two weeks to go which is which is you know again bonkers um i I do have a great deal of sympathy for matt ryan who's going to be sitting there in his in his 50s and his 60s and he's going to be waking up with you know with cold sweat seeing the number 12 just kind of dominating wherever he goes whatever he does um, you know, we've had that had the greatest kind of comeback in Super Bowl history. And then Brady goes and does it again, but with a different team this time, coming back from being down by 17 points twice in this game. Um, that you know, to, to go ahead and get the win. Ryan threw two very early touchdowns, probably too early, um, to Russell Gage and Calvin Ridley and Young Hoku's first field goal of the game. And it's just the Falcons are suddenly 17 nil up, but we know that the the Falcons cannot hold a lead. It's just, it's not within their DNA to do so. Um, you know, and, and there were still 17 points up halfway into the third quarter. Um, and then Brady begins to fight back two quick drives, kind of both, you know, four minutes or under um, suck up, gets a field goal in the fourth. And then suddenly it's 24 all out of kind of out of nowhere. Um, and then the Falcons grabbed the lead um, before giving the man who is about as stable as a box of fireworks in an incinerator, Antonio Brown. Yes, the man who we haven't really talked about too much this season, um, stepped up and snagged a 46-yard touchdown 
to win the game, which is bonkers. And just to put this into context, it was Brown's first touchdown of the season, his first as a Buccaneer, his, his 76th touchdown in terms of his career. So, you know, he's, he's, this is a Hall of Fame career for this guy, but first touchdown of the season. Um, and Brown has now caught a touchdown in 10 consecutive seasons, which is always, you know, pretty pretty, pretty decent to do 10 years in a row to catch a touchdown. And in fact, Antonio Brown's last two touchdowns have both come from Tom Brady. So back as back in his Patriots days, that was his only touchdown last season. And his only touchdown this season has come from Tom Brady. And, you know, again, I, I just want to pay a little respect to, to Matt Ryan. He might have thrown more touchdowns and had more completions than Brady did on the day. But it was the Falcons' complete lack of running game that absolutely killed them. I, I'm, I wasn't watching the game closely, but I know that did um, did Todd Gurley go out injured early? Because his stat line was one for minus one or something ridiculous on the grounds. And Ito Smith didn't do jack when he got the ball. Um, and Matt Ryan has now gone over. And this, this, this is... Honestly, it should be stats live, but I'm going to throw it in now in context. Matt Ryan has now gone over 4,000 yards in 10 consecutive seasons. You've got to give the man some respect. Um, he's he's now ninth in all, all time in passing yards, attempts and completions. And I know this is an absolutely wasted season for Matt Ryan, but I'll just throw this little question back out there. Is Matt Ryan a Hall of Famer? No. No, not not even close. No, he's not got the he's not got the postseason accolades to back it up. It's going to be a similar conversation, I think, with Philip Rivers. Yeah, he's not a first ballot, but I think he can get in the Hall of Fame maybe twenty years after he retires. But he's not a first ballot guy at all. The, the world isn't going to live going to be for any longer after twenty years. <laughs> we're, we're all oh, we're all going down. We're all going down the, the the roller coaster of life, and the you know world's going to explode. Coronavirus is going to kill it. Matt, Matt Ryan won't get into it. I use my own. Matt Ryan will will be too. Will, it would open the floodgates for too many other quarterbacks that have done not a lot in the postseason. And I know postseasons and Super Bowls you know, is. It's a metric for some and not for others. But you, if you let Matt Ryan in, you've got to let everyone else in, to be, to be quite honest. 10 well, yeah, so, yeah. In, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an era of uh, American football where it's a past happy league. I, I mean, yeah. intrigued to who else has achieved that, if anybody. No, he's, he's, he's got to stay on the field. Obviously, he's got to be. He's got to be. Yeah, not, I'm not saying he's a, he's a crap callback and he's not at the peak of his powers. He's been wasted, certainly. But and, and say if he was on another team, if he was on the Patriots, Patriots probably had similar successes or whatever. He just. He, he, I'm sorry, you can't. He has the foundation, but you can't build a house for his for his Hall of Fame roll, roll out the red carpet. Just can't. No. can't one for the off-season there, fellas. Let's uh, let's get out of the rabbit hole and back into quarterbacks that played in week 15. And let's uh, let's quickly touch on the um, the Saints and the Chiefs. I say quickly touch on, because on paper, this was obviously the game of the weekend. I've got to say, watching it, fellas, it didn't really sparkle for me, which is strange when you look at the final score, 32-29. to 29, You'd think we watched an, an absolute classic. It just... I don't know. I don't know whether I was just waiting for the Browns to come on or what. It just didn't really 
float my boat. Um, obviously, the Chiefs, um, the bigger news probably coming out with um, you know potential injuries in the running back position, which could obviously have some complications down the line. Um, the, the Saints just gave me a nice small by trotting out a receiver called Little Jordan. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Little Jordan, not just uh, Big Jordan, Little Jordan. Um, yeah, just, just, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, Lawrence. I'm going to ask you to give us a bit of an insight into the game, but it just really, for the two powerhouses that they are, didn't really, for me, fire on all cylinders. No, I mean, it, it started incredibly badly for for the Saints. You had um, Drew Brees go naught out of six on his first part, on his first six pass attempts. So... Just to just again a little bit of context here, the Chiefs are actually the first team in NFL history to have a six-game win streak where they've won every single game by six points or less. So you know, then they they might be they might be offensively kind of you know the the best unit in the NFL, but that defense is is allowing teams to compete with them, even if they take big leads they're getting sucked back in so you know it, it is that going to be their Achilles heel when it comes to the playoffs and I you know again coming back to what Kieran said against the Bills you know that's where things could get very very sticky um, for Mahomes because Josh Allen can can stay with Patrick Mahomes offensively not many quarterbacks can and the Bills running game is not exactly you know lights out but they that Josh Allen by himself and those receivers can keep keep the the Chiefs you know honest for a whole game so we're looking at a 13 and 1 Chiefs team who are you know really looking Super Bowl ready for a second year in a row um and and yeah as you say Sean this the score in this game absolutely flattered the Saints who have now wasted two opportunities two weeks in a row they could have won the NFC South and just gone, thank you very much. I can calm down a little bit now. And they've now lost two consecutive games. This one with Drew Brees back in the helm for um, after he's had a month off recovering from, you know, smashing most of his rib cage. Um, you know, if we, we look at this game, you know, why we were kind of feeling flat about it, early in the fourth quarter, Chiefs were up 29-15, it's kind of you're thinking it's all over and they kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit and then Breeze gets those two late touchdowns to make the score look a bit respectable. But, you know, the, the Saints' first four drives were punt, punt, interception, punt. And that's about the first time the Saints have done that in, in God knows how long in terms of, you know, not doing anything with the first four possessions. And I think kind of like everyone who, who was watching that game, what impressed me the most was just the the offensive play calling and just the the sheer that they're inventing new ways to pass a ball you think in 2020 it's not possible to pass a ball in different ways but you know they were they were just having fun and and uh, Tyreek Hill's route for his first touchdown he was kind of like um you know like a sat nav had, had gone rogue it was like left, right, left, right, left, right. And then finally kind of got some separation for that first touchdown. And then the second one to, to Travis Kelsey, this kind of hybrid pass, dump off pitch thing, whatever it was. Um, again, it's it's Mahomes doing things with a ball that nobody else does. Or, or maybe someone did in the 1920s 
when they played for the Dayton Triangles or the Oorang Indians, but not something that people are doing in 2020. So it's it's just remarkable kind of what they're doing. I think the only bit of bad news for the Chiefs to come out of the game was a, a late injury to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the little rookie jitterbug who's hopefully back for the playoffs. And with the Chiefs kind of, you know, they need that buy to allow number 25 a little bit of extra time to heal. Um, and then in the meanwhile, we're going to be treated to a little bit of um, a little bit of a Le'Veon Bell show. So interested to see what happens in the next two weeks with Le'Veon Bell getting a bit of a, a bigger workload. So let's see kind of where that's going to go. That's going to be fascinating for the next couple of weeks. That Travis Kelsey touchdown, it's kind of like, you, you, I liken it to, you know, like when you're a kid and you do something naughty and you steal something and then you get found out and someone confronts you with it and then you chuck it to the next person saying, and, and then he did it. <laughs> Give it, just chuck the ball. Is that, ah, that's first, it's just quite funny. Had to be there really. <laughs> it was um, it was one of those plays to be fair that um, when you watch it you kind of think to yourself why doesn't everybody do this more often because it was so simple do you know, so many teams get stuffed around the goal line and it was just such a, a simple play but to be fair Andy Reid has always been the guy to sort of do those things that when people look at them they say well yeah why didn't I think of that um, we've gone through all the games there fellas Um um, a few of you have said about the Bills giving the Chiefs a run for the money. Ross, who obviously watches along, watches along most weeks. Evening, Ross. Eddie, the Bills go against the Chiefs a few weeks ago. The answer is, mate, they obviously got battered, as pretty much everybody does when they play the Chiefs. But uh, I'll throw a question back to you, Ross. You've beaten the Bills. You've beaten... Uh, who else have you beaten? You've beaten the Raiders. Yeah, like I said, you've pretty much beaten everybody. As the number one seed and likely favourites heading into the... Uh, the playoffs, which team gives you the biggest fear in the AFC in terms of the guys that could play you during the playoff run and assuming that you can get through all of the AFC opponents, who then scares you the most in the NFCs? You've obviously now beaten uh, the cream of the crop over there as well. I mean, I've said all year long, I think the Chiefs will repeat. Uh, I've seen nothing through 15 weeks for me to change my mind. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's see what Ross has to say. Let's see who he uh, fears the most in the AFC and then who he fears the most in the NFC. Lawrence, you want to say something? Make it quick, buddy, because we've got to get some stats out there, everybody. I will be, but I just, it's, it's, um, I don't really want to say this guy's handle, but it's Howdy Somebody, um, who's just announced here that um, Kevin Green has passed away. Um, Kevin Green was an absolute legendary um, kind of linebacker. Kind of, he was an edge before there was the position called edge. Um, playing for the Rams and for the Panthers, and it, when I was growing up, just a very very short reminisce. I remember when I was standing in a playground in my secondary school in 1989, and I had one of my school friends said. If you were playing in the NFL, who would which defensive player would scare you the most? And at that point in time, I said Kevin Green. So that was I, I have memories of him and his massive lion's mane of that blonde hair um, just causing absolute havoc. So you know, very very sad to hear him passing at, at aged only fifty eight. So just a little tribute there to Kevin Green, an absolute legend of a pass rusher. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Fair play, indeed. Good shout out, and uh, like you say, I did see the comment pop up. Like you say, because of the uh, 
the the username. I didn't put it up. Let's just put it that way. But um, yeah, absolutely fair play indeed. Uh, good to say, fellas. Before we do get onto the stats, Ross, thanks for watching along, buddy. I'll put you to the test, and you've come up trumps. You've come up uh, with some answers. There you go, fellas. The Titans running game plus Tannehill could be scary. Not scared of anybody, though, in the NFC. So, like I say, if the Chiefs do get to the big dance, the Cowboys, yeah. Come on, Tim. <laughs> and to be fair, I did tee Ross up, but he eventually did, of course, give me the right answer. Uh, there you go, fellas. Okay. There you go, fellas. There's the AFC Championship game that the world just needs to see, isn't Don't it? Do not panic. Yeah. I always pander to the host. And with that being said, let's get some stats, fellas. Let's see who can impress me this week. Yeah, so, uh, you did team me up nicely indeed. I've got to be honest, fellas, I'm not going to say the one that's been shared in the group chat because uh, one of you might be wanting to pull it out now, but that's an absolute beauty that's in the group chat. Go on, Kieran, I'll teach you up, mate. Go on, I'll, I'll let you have the glory. With this loss to Brady and the Bucks, the Falcons are 28 to 34 in the regular season since they lost. 28 to 34 in Super Bowl 51. Is that not the best stat ever? I, is, I looked at it incredible. and I thought it must be incredible. Like, even the amount of games, you just think, what, 72 games? Was the Super Bowl really that long, that long ago? I was like, surely 72 regular season games haven't been played since that. that, that, that <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, an absolutely unbelievable stat, isn't it? Who said fake doesn't have a part to play? So, yeah, an unbelievable record. And, of course, Tom Brady, the man to uh, complete that uh, that uh, bit of infamy there for the Falcons. Lawrence, let's get you up on the podium, mate. Let's uh, wear us with some numbers. There's only one man who's making stats life this week. You all know him. You all love him. It's the human cockroach, Mr. Frank Gore. He needs to take a bow. This entire podcast should be dedicated to Frank Gore. His one-yard scoring dive to give the 0-13 and 13 Jets a 17-point cushion on the Aaron Donald defensive-led Rams, just, it, it just beggars belief to say all these things out loud, was his 100th NFL touchdown in an absolutely remarkable career. 81 rushing touchdowns, 18 receiving touchdowns, and one fumble recovery touchdown. So anyone looking at going 81 and 18 makes makes 99. He's had a fumble recovery touchdown as well. He's the 23rd player to reach 100 touchdowns in NFL history, and that ties in with Hall of Famers, Franco Harris and Curtis Martin, He's the fourth member of the Century Club to play for five teams. So, you know, you knew it was coming, gents. Who are the other three who are who have scored over 100 touchdowns in NFL history and played for five NFL teams? Terrell Owens. Well done. That was the hardest one. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Very good show there, Tim. I need to make a note to myself to always brush up on my retro knowledge ahead of a Monday night podcast, don't I? One is active, one is retired. 100 touchdowns, five teams. It's the five one teams. is active. Good Lord. The five teams bit is a difficult bit, isn't it? Adrian Peterson. Well done. 
Two out of two. He's knocking it out the ballpark tonight, gents and ladies. Knocking it out of the park, Alfred Morris style. <laughs> I don't think I've got any to put you out of your misery. It's a kind of obvious one if you think wait, about wait, it. Wait, 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 wait. How is it three? Three total, yeah? Three three more it... total, yeah. Oh, three more total. I'm going to go oh, Sorry, three. three. Sorry, you got three two out of three. Yeah, it's one left, one left. Five receiver or running back. It's a receiver and it's a big name and it's it's not somebody from the 1950s or anything daft. It's a contemporary player. No, I'm not going to get it. Randy Moss. Ah, I might have got that. I might have got it. You would have got there in the end, I think. Yeah, I would have got there. I don't want to bore everyone else for the next 10 minutes just looking up at the sky. <laughs> and, and just just my final little note on, on, on Frank Gore. He is now under 800 yards away from Walter Payton and the number two rushing spot in NFL history. And he's actually for over 500 yards in 16 consecutive seasons. 16 consecutive seasons. He's an absolute legend. And he draws a Browns run defence that could make him look like a 15-year-old, uh, 15 years younger Frank Gore next week, fellas. So let's see if he can uh, move up that leaderboard even more. Tim, go on then, let you finish it off, buddy, with the final one of the week. Uh, yeah, not, not a big one. My my set, my my plan B was uh, just to kudos to the Buffalo Bills. Th uh, 13 Bills players have had a receiving touchdown this season, which is tied for the most in a single season in NFL history. I was going to go for that, but I'm going to actually go with the one I put in chat as well. Uh, Drew Brees was not for five for, his, for the first time in his career with his first five throws. I know he's a great quarterback, but even considering he was a rookie at some point many moons ago for San Diego and all the rest of it, uh, surprising that it was, that's the first time he's gone naught and five. Yeah, we're not uh, we're not going to start the Taysom Hill debate, fellas. We'll have a week off that, but I think uh, Sean Payton's given us the answer to the Taysom Hill debate by bringing him back as quickly as he has when he clearly isn't ready. Uh, so we'll wait and see what happens between now and the end of the season. Right then, fellas, uh, going to finish off as it's nearly Christmas. Actually, before I get to that, Monday night football. Who we got? Who's going to make my Christmas? Who's telling me that the Bengals are winning tonight? Oh, who cares? Bengals. Bengals, Bengals. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I've, I've even heard they've actually called up Kevin Hogan to the active roster. I mean, Jesus Christ. I don't even if think Hulk Hogan didn't say then. No, if the Pittsburgh Steelers don't win tonight, that will be the biggest upset of the season. So let's uh, let's wait and see. Like I say, Steelers should take care of business and get the division mm. won tonight. Right, fellas. As it's Christmas, want to know quite simply what's on your Christmas wish list uh, for your respective teams. I think it's safe to say we've all had contrasting seasons. Let's just put it that way in terms of our own team's fortunes. Um, I did say about pandering to your audience. Thanks to Ian for tuning in and playing along. Hope you're uh, feeling better this week, mate, after watching us from your hospital bed last week. And uh, as a Jets fan, uh, now the tank's over. He wants to beat the Browns so that the Browns miss out on the playoffs on divisional record. Well, thank you very much, Ian. I mean, that's a, that's a way yeah. to really pander to your host there, isn't it? So, yeah, we'll come on to me in a moment. But, uh, fellas, let's go around all of you in terms of what you would want for your respective teams for Christmas. So, Tim, let's start with you, buddy. Uh, Dak Price got to get a new contract. Do you think it happens? Yes. Do you think it's a long-term deal or is it another franchise tag? 
I think it'll probably be a franchise tag. It won't. He won't sign it, and then we'll we'll thrash out of a stupid four-year, bloody one hundred and fifty million stupid deals. Okay, all joking aside, can you get out of the Zeke contract? Uh, not for another year. Not till twenty twenty-two. Yeah, so you might be a little bit hamstrung then between now and then, yeah. aren't you? But yeah, all joking aside, I think we would all be in agreement, you know, however much we've had a bit of a giggle throughout the course of the season, the Cowboys are a much better team with Dak Prescott in the leagues, a much better product with Dak Prescott playing well. Um, he was obviously on pace to set all kinds of crazy records at the start of the season, despite Dallas's struggles and obviously... Uh, who knows what would have happened. I certainly think they would have been a lot more competitive and certainly would have been putting up a lot more points than they have done over recent weeks. So, yeah, absolutely, it would be good to see Dak back in 2021. Uh, fingers crossed for that indeed. Kieran, let's come to you, buddy. I think uh, it may well be quarterback-related for the Patriots as well. But uh, what would uh, the uh, the big fella bring for the Patriots this year if you had your wish? Uh, yeah, we need a quarterback. Because there's Cam Newton, come on, he's worse than Dwayne Haskins at this point. Sorry, Lawrence, but he is. Um, yeah, we need a new quarterback because we are getting nothing done right now. I've been saying what we need is we need to just start Stidham because the worst case scenario is he wins us the last two games of the season and we drop a couple draft spaces. I think just give him a shot. But yeah, right now, looking forward to 2021, getting a quarterback. That, that's all I want. We won't go into it in depth, mate, because we're going to have plenty of time to talk all sort of conspiracy theories and ideal trade scenarios and all that kind of stuff in the off-season. Tim's already put a bit of an article out there, as he alluded to earlier, about a bit of a quarterback merry-go-round. But just very quickly, a shout-out that you put in our chat before we started tonight. You'd like to see Matthew Stafford for the Patriots. Do you think that's a realistic shot at happening? Yeah. We love to grab veteran players who some may consider past it or, you know, need a new team to sort of revitalize them. And I think it'd be nice for Matt Stafford. He's been carrying the New York Giants on a barely put together back for the last 10 years. So we'll take hold of him, give him a couple rings. And uh, yeah, I think that'd be the best scenario. Oh, I, I remember my team. I, Kieran, I remember saying to you, I, I, the team I had Stafford going to, Vegas Raiders. That's where, that's where he was going. No, no nah. way. They've already, nah. they've, already got two, they've already got two decent quarterbacks. No, he's going Vegas. Book it. Oh, fair enough. There you go. Tim, Tim told you first, ladies and gents. And Lawrence, I don't know whether you're going to talk to us about Washington or Baltimore, but either way, mate, give <laughs> us something that uh, Santa will bring down the chimney for you this Christmas. All I want for Christmas is the guaranteed, locked-in 2020 Comeback Player of the Year to actually come back. <laughs> he, he's already he made a comeback already and then he's gone and got himself a little injury that is all I want for Christmas is for Alex Smith to be suiting up again before the end of the regular season and then there is the opportunity to win at least one of those last two games um, possibly both um, and then some sort of 8-8 eight and eight miracle but nothing, you know, I, I was going to be really, really cruel and say um, all I want for Christmas is Dwayne Haskins to catch COVID, but that that's pretty heartless as a thing to say. So I obviously would never say that on a podcast because that, that would be really wrong. So, yeah, I'll say the comeback player of the year to come back again. 
I'll tell you what, in the good old days, Lawrence, I would have edited that out for you to have kept up your appearances, my friend. But as that's gone live, you will have to own that comment. Um, I will finish off, fellas, and I will finish off the pod um, with a, a semi bit of semi bit of fun, but semi serious. Obviously, on a selfish level, I want the Browns to just win at least one of the next two and get in the playoffs. But I think more importantly, I think we have all more than ever probably appreciated the NFL and Sunday afternoons more than we have in any other year um, after all the restrictions and all of the, uh, you know, all the heartbreak and all of the, you know, the, the, the shite that has been 2020. Um, let's be honest, Sunday afternoons have just been an escape for everybody. Win, lose or draw. And we said that at the start of the season, didn't we? We were, you know, not sure whether we would get a season. Uh, we're 15 weeks in. It looks as though we're going to get through a full season. It looks as though we're going to get through a full season on time have there been issues of course there have was the things that the league would probably want to do again given their opportunity i'm sure there probably is but on the whole we've had a good product out on the field we've had some competitive games we've had some really promising rookies that give a number of teams real hope for the future we've seen some surprises you know we've seen some laughs we've seen you know comebacks we've seen We've seen all sorts, and that's why we all absolutely love the game. And I think more than anything, you know, all we would all want for Christmas 2020 is for fans to be able to get back to watching games as soon as possible in, you know, proper numbers, in full stadiums, in 2021. Let's get the game back over here so we can all meet up, fellas, and go and have a an afternoon out, watch the game that we all love, um, you know, and, you know, whatever happens over the course of the next few weeks, I think we can all be absolutely thankful for that. Over this festive season, um, we've got plenty of football to feast on over the course of the next few days. Game on Christmas Day, two games on box, sorry, three games on Boxing Day, um, as well as the regular Sunday and Monday slate. So there's plenty for us to look forward to over the course of the next week. From myself personally, a big thank you to every single person that listens, that watches, that interacts with us. Massive thank you to everyone in the comment section. Uh, tonight and you know like I said when you think back to where where we were this time 12 months ago fellas I think we've come a huge way as a uh, a, a social enterprise now these days to give us our official title putting back into the game uh, in this country um, you know and we absolutely love what we do so certainly from all of us a massive massive happy Christmas to each and every one of you most importantly stay healthy uh, stay safe. Uh, we will get through it as difficult as it is. We will get through. We've got the NFL to help us along the way for the next five, six, seven weeks. So let's absolutely enjoy it, fellas. And for one final time before Christmas in 2020, let's sign off as we always do with those great words of Mr. Kevin Cadle and say a bye-bye for now. Merry Christmas and a bye-bye. for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com